You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. This is a huge weekend that's upon us historically. I marked it in my calendar some months ago and knew I'd preach this truth, this message today. December the 5th, which is today, and December the 6th, tomorrow, these two days. I want to draw you back to 1934, the event took place. It was an event that shook Christianity. There was a young man, his name was John. John uh, grew up in northern Holland. He grew up in a tavern, literally. His dad owned a tavern. And he, as a young child, began to work in the tavern. He would see people nightly get drunk. He'd see men walk off with women. He saw all types of sin. And he was there working in the tavern in northern Holland with his dad and mother and family. But I know that from history, his dad, it bothered him. And it bothered John as a boy. John eventually said, I need to get out of this lifestyle. And I wonder what lifestyle you need to get out of today. John made a decision. He boarded a ship and he came to a place called America. And in America, when he got off the ship, uh, he met a lady He would not marry her. She was much older than him. But he met this lady almost immediately, and she gave him a Bible and said, John, here in America, we love this book, and we want you to have this book. And I want you to read about Jesus, the Son of God, who came and died for your sin. He never saw her after that ever in his life. This was 87 years ago, this weekend, this event took place, what I'm going to talk about. He got off that ship, got the Bible, began to read the Bible, and an amazing thing took place. Reading the Bible, he came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. He was so overwhelmed, and his dad, father, left the tavern business, and he also got saved and trusted Christ, and later established a mission-sending station to send people to the gospel around the world. John was overwhelmed with how God loved him and forgave him of sin, and so he enrolled in a place called Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Moody Bible Institute is still there today. They allow about 1,500 students a year to come. Uh, it's an amazing institution. And my mother and father, my dad tried to get into Moody. The war was going on, World War II. My dad was not permitted to go to the war. He was 90% deaf. And so as soon as the war was over, young men were coming back to America and enrolling in that Bible Institute. My dad said, I want to enroll. And they said, the military fellows get first priority. And they filled all the dormitories. My dad said, there has to be a room place that I can come and, and stay. And they said, if, if, if we had more room, we'd let you stay in the hallways. But there are beds in the hallways. It was an exciting time. 
for the gospel ministry. And, and they told my dad eventually, there's only one class left. It's a night class. You can come once a week to a voice class. He wanted to go so badly, he went to that one class. Well, John, just prior to this time, enrolled in Moody Bible Institute. In April the 21st, 1932, he graduated. He graduated just an amazing student, a lover of the Word of God, a great soul winner, wept before God, burdened for his country, northern Holland, and burdened for America. But he got burdened, very burdened, became burdened for a country called China. China in 1929, as you're aware, was invaded by Russia, the communists. And from 29 to 47, they were dominated by communism. John got so burdened, he says, I need to go to China. It's still open. I can get the gospel of those dear Chinese people. He did not realize it, but God was preparing a lady to be his wife. That girl grew up as an American in China. Her dad was a missionary, and she came to go to Moody Bible Institute and attend. And she had prayed as a teenager, Lord, I'd like to marry one day, and I'd like to come back to China, but I'm not going to tell my husband, whoever it is, I'll just follow wherever God leads him is where I want to go. But I'd love to come back to reach Chinese for Christ. And so his wife graduated, and they met, and they married, and they decided that they were going to go to China together. They married on my son, or would later be when he was born, his birthday, October the 25th, 1933. We're getting closer to that date I told you about, 1934. God was going to use this couple instrumentally to help change the cause of Christ in America. It's swept under the carpet now. They married. And my, what an eventful marriage. They, uh, they arrived in 1934. They had a little baby, Helen. And Helen was three months of age. They were there for two weeks in the ministry when this date came. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. God says the whole armor of God in verse 11, and he says it again in verse 13. Take you the whole armor of God. As we live in 21 and going into 22, we're going to have to understand that you're not going to make it without the whole armor of God. It's too negative. It's too depressing. There's wars and rumors of wars. Uh, there's pestilence and, and there's evil all around us. Sin is running rampant. And the only way you're going to make it, the only way I'm going to make it in the upcoming year if the Lord tarries is by taking on the whole armor of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so much of what you're wrestling is flesh and blood. You're trying to change flesh and blood. You're not going to change it. Only God can change. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's a satanic war. We wrestle against the principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take ye of the whole armor of God, 
that you may be able to withstand. And having done all to stand, we see that verse stand in verse 11, able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Did you notice in verse 11, we're standing against the wiles of the devil? We stand against Satan. Secondly, we stand against sin. He says that in verse number 13, take a whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then we stand for our Savior, verse 14. Stand therefore, have your loins girt about with truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we're going to have to, we must get attached to Jesus Christ. So, stand means simply this. I'm to anchor. I'm to dig in. I'm to get solid. I'm a conduct of life as I'm set I'm dug in, I'm not moving, I'm not wavering. And yet, in 2022, even in this great Christian crowd and those that listen today, there'll be people a year from now, if the Lord tells you, not even going to church. Mad at God, mad at the church, mad at Christianity, mad at money, mad at this, they'd overlook me, I'm upset. We've got, <laughs> you've preached enough, some of you men outside, we go to sometimes churches and preach, and God bless them. Must be wearisome being a preacher's wife. I'm so thankful my wife stayed with me 49 years this month and been in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. But I go to churches, I don't even know where the preacher's wife is. They don't go. That's true. Oh, a lot of churches, they're right in there, side by side. But many, many, many churches, they don't even go to church. Staff members are not going to church all the time. Deacons don't go to church. And then we wonder why the nation is collapsing around us. God's people don't go to church. Many of them just hit and miss. Just constantly. God's people, many, thank God for this great church, but many people don't even tithe and give their first fruits to God. We're so casual with God. We live in that day. I'm concerned about the present generation that are in Bible colleges training because I really wonder, are you going to go stand for something? It seems like we live in a day, I'm not digging in for anything. My philosophy, well, who cares what your philosophy is? What's God's word said? Having done all the stand, stand, stand. And so we see that the battle lines are drawn. We live in a day when it appears to me that many even in Christianity are not standing for anything. We stand for ourselves. We stand for our opinion. We stand for our philosophy. We stand for our selfishness. But I believe real soon, if Jesus tarries, you're going to be called upon to stand for your faith. Now, we should be doing that right now. What we do here worldwide is soon, soon, soon going to be outlawed. This book will be named uh, a hate book, hate speech, because we do not tolerate coexisting with all religions. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's not a Muhammad way and a Confucius way and a Baptist way and a Presbyterian way. There's a Bible way. It's through Jesus Christ alone. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must be saved. 
If your faith is in Mother Mary, you're lost. If your faith is in just the Baptist religion, you're undoubtedly lost. If you say, I'm a Presbyterian, well, who cares? Are you a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ? You're going to have to stand for it. You'll have family that thinks you're nuts. You'll have co-workers that think you're crazy. What kind of cult are you in? Uh, it's a book that was written and given and deposited to us, and Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago for my sin. He, he justifies me, declares me righteous because of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. You're going to have to learn to stand. And I say today, if we're not willing to live for Jesus today, we're not going to be able to stand tomorrow. I can see if the Lord tarries, and we have a great youth group here. We have a great Christian school and a great college. But I can see because I'm seeing it all over America. Brother Oxidine, our vice president, you've seen it. You've traveled. You men that travel for the college preaching. Our youth groups are dwindling all over America. They're getting smaller and smaller. Our churches are digressing. Uh, nearly 50 churches in America are going to close their doors today. And last Sunday, 50. And next week, 50. Churches are decreasing and sin is increasing. You say, well, this is depressing. Oh, no, it's not. What a day to live. Just maybe today God's going to cause you or your son or your daughter or your marriage to be the one that has a great influence on bringing a nation back to God. As long as there's God, there's still hope. And I look at this text, he says four times, stand, stand. Well, we live in a day where many dearth for a while, the Bible says. In the book of Matthew 13, they they stay with it a while. It's fun for a while. But then they fall off. Others, they backslide. Others, they quit on God. And others fall away. You know, there's a song in our hymn book that talks about this, standing for God. President Lincoln was about to be elected. It was the latter part of 1858. And there was a great revival meeting going on in the city of Philadelphia because most of those men that attended were lay preachers. They worked secular jobs in factories and on farms. They would milk the cows in the morning. If you know anything, and I don't, about milking cows, you milk them at 6 in the morning, you have to milk them at 6 at night, every 12 hours. That's why churches in America up until recent days, the evening service was always at 7.30 on Wednesday and 7.30 on Sunday night. I kind of like the time we have it right now, 6 o'clock at night, but we're not milking cows either. But in Philadelphia, they'd preach, they'd milk the cows and care for things, and there'd be morning preaching, late morning and then there'll be evening preaching. 5,000 people were coming to every service. It was on. It was just on. And a man preached one day. He was a lay preacher, but he was a farmer, a young man. And he went home that afternoon and was working. I want to say, and I might be wrong, I want to say it was a Wednesday afternoon. And he went home to work on the farm that day. As he was shelling corn, 1858, he got his jacket caught in the machinery that was running, 
And it did what it did for many people. My dad had a thumb pulled off in machinery like that years ago when he was on the farm. This man's entire arm was pulled out of a socket and laying over here. He lay in that bed of his, on the farm where his mother and dad lived and he had preached a message just the day before, just a powerful message. And then he's there dying. His dad said, son, the delegation is wanting to hear from you today. We know that there's no way that, that you can go and speak. But they wonder if you could send in your last moment, son, because you're going to die, a message to the delegates. With a very feeble voice, he said to his sweet father, who's watching his son pass away, he said, Dad, tell him to stand up for Jesus. A few days later, the funeral was held, and the preacher that preached that in Philadelphia, as so many came, he said, I've written a poem. The great preacher who lost his arm, who preached here earlier this week and lost his arm and now is with our Lord. That great preacher, his last words is, delegates, stand up for Jesus. And now at this funeral service, memorial service, I, I want to read you the poem I've written. It's found on page 455. You don't need to turn there. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Ye soldiers of the cross, Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. From victory unto victory his army shall he lead till every foe is vanquished and Christ is Lord indeed. Stanza two, stand up, stand up for Jesus, the trumpet call obey. Forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. Ye that are men now serve him against unnumbered foes. Let courage rise with danger. And strength to strength oppose the third stanza and last. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. And I want to say to you today, you're going to have to, and I'm going to have to stand in his strength, not your own strength. Not your own strength. It won't make it in 2022. Your own strength will fail you. The arm of flesh, the Bible says, is weak. And the Bible, the songwriter says, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor. That's what we're talking about here. The gospel armor. It's, it's in, in chapter number uh, six where we are. Uh, the, the, uh, the loins girt around with truth. And that covers all the protective area of our body where all our organs are. That, I mean, your loins get all protected with truth. You see, if you cannot tell the truth, you don't have the gospel, the armor of God on. You're not going to stand for anything because you don't tell the truth. Miss Treber and I were taking a ride a week or two ago, and she said, you know, and we began to talk about somebody, she, she lied right to me. Just lied to me. And I said, I know. Her husband does the same. I just lie to you. Lie to you. Just tell, don't even tell the truth. You're not going to be able to stand in that day you don't tell the truth. And, and the armor is not only the loins girt about 
but have the breastplate of righteousness, truth and righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So there's truth and there's righteousness and there's peace and the shield of faith. There must be faith. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. That we might be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil and put on the helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so he said, put on the gospel armor, each piece put on with prayer. When duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. I want to close today by taking you back to this date, December the 6th, tomorrow, 1934. John wrote these following words. He wrote a little bit more, but I'll just give you the abbreviated form of what he wrote. His last note to ever write, he said, my wife, my baby and I are in the hands of the communist. Things have happened so quickly this morning, we could not leave. It was just too late. The Lord bless you and guide you. And for us, that God may be glorified by life or by death. In him, John and Betty stand. Moments later, the communists came and they seized John. They seized Betty. They wanted money. They said, we have no money to give you. You're Americans. You have money. We have no money to give. Protect us. Please don't take our lives. Betty had done something that would seem unusual to you, but she was trying to spare her little baby, Helen. We talked to Helen, one of our staff members. Your dad did, Brother Wally Davis, about 20 years ago living in New Jersey. She would be 80, going on 88 years of age right now. She's still alive. And Betty, her mother, took that little baby, three months of age, Helen, wrapped her what we'd call a sleeping bag and tucked her in a room. The communists came. There were 2,000 soldiers that just invaded their area over, over just immediately that morning, just rushed in. Those that came into that little place where they were living found John and Betty. The baby was left in the other room. For two days, she stayed there as a little three-month-old baby by herself. A Chinese pastor found her. When they were going through the belongings of John and Betty Stam, he took her and they began to care for her until they could get her to Patterson, New Jersey, where an aunt and uncle would raise her. John and Betty Stam, Stam they, 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 they were taken out and they were executed, beheaded for the cause of Christ. They'd been on the field for two weeks. Two weeks. Memorial services were held. One at the Moody Bible Institute. They preached that day. And an invitation 
The man said, I'd like you to stand if you are today saying, I am going to go serve God in their place somewhere in God's harvest field. I'm going to take their place somewhere and give the gospel so others could be saved. It would have been great if five or ten people would have stood. But that day, instantaneously, 700 college students stood to their feet, dug in and planted and said, we'll, we'll go. Anywhere God wants us to go, we'll go. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you stand for God. In that same state of Illinois was a place that was historic called Wheaton College. They had another service and 200 stood and said, I'll go. I don't know how God's going to fan the flame. But I pray in my own life I could claim Philippians 1.21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I don't know where or how. I don't know if the Lord carries if we will spend our days in jail cells for preaching the word of God. But we're there. It's knocking at the door. I'm not trying to scare you or frighten you. We're going to have to learn to stand. We're going to have to get dressed every day for success. What kind of success? The armor of God. If you know not Jesus Christ as Savior, perilous times are coming. This know also the Bible said in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, proud, boastful, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, men burning in their lust toward men and women burning in their lust toward women. We are living in that day. I believe as long as there's a God in heaven, there's great hope. Sweet little couple. Graduated, John did, with 71 students, 73 students, and 50 of them went out into the full-time service. But just a matter of a short time later, after being on the field for two weeks, nearly 1,000 at their funeral stood and said, count us in. If you look historically in America, the greatest days of church work happened shortly thereafter. The 40s, churches began to pop up. The 50s, after World War I, we had churches all over America running thousands of, and buses, and soul winning, and preaching, and fire, and worldwide missions, and evangelism. Maybe God wants to do it again. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.